Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about 3,000 Miles to Graceland from 2001, which means I am joined by the king, Adam Risky. Go get your bubble gum. We're giving you up to bikers. <laughs> what is that whole sequence? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, we are going to be talking about Kevin Costner, Kurt Russell, many Elvises, 3,000 miles to Graceland. Happy May, everyone. We're recording this on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. So happy Star Wars Day to everyone who everyone who celebrates, everyone who recognizes Star Wars Day. I'm not a person who really celebrates it. I don't know about you, Adam. I, I I'm relieved for you to say that because I sent out a snarky tweet this oh. morning saying that I know that I'm a rebel because the only day I don't want to watch Star Wars is Star Wars Day. You are a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are going to get into 3000 Miles to Graceland in just a little bit. Uh, continuing 2021, the year of fuck it. Let's do a show on that. Uh, but first, Adam Risky, have you seen anything good lately? Uh, yeah, so I, I've seen a bunch of stuff. There's two that I'm ex- I'm most excited to talk to you about, so I'm going to save those for okay. the end. Okay. So I've got four to talk about before those two. Wow. So okay. I apologize no, in that's advance. Okay. I've been just crushing watching stuff the past couple of days. So um, I watched City of Lies finally. I rented it. I waited until it had one day left on the rental, and then I was like, all right, I should probably watch City of Lies. Um, It's not great at all. It's like a real slog of a movie, Um, and I think that's because it's a movie in 2021 that's still like, we need to crack the case about who killed the notorious B.I.G., and it's it's like you've done this in like seven other medias already, like what is there to to uncover? And I guess what you're left with is two performances, one by Forrest Whitaker and one by Johnny Depp, and they're both in like, well, more so Johnny Depp. He's in like a lot of like old man makeup to make him look like maybe 20 years older than he is. But then in the end credits, they show the guy that he's playing, and he's not that old. So it's just like Johnny Depp just chose to be an old man of course he in did. this movie. Um, but I don't know. The movie's like sporadically interesting, but it's not really like a cop movie. And it's not really like a journalist movie. And Forrest Whitaker's playing a journalist. So my favorite part was that um, there's a like a bit supporting role by Michael Pere, And he looks exactly like Steven Seagal now. And I thought that was entertaining and uh it's the type of movie where justice is not served and you know that because johnny depp is outside of the courthouse staring at lady justice like (laughs) what (laughs) i'm going to rush out and see city of lies yeah it's a good movie to watch like if you have mono or something but otherwise i would say if you're if you're feeling well don't watch it i'm going to rush Um, out and get mono (laughs) Woo! I had it once. That kept me from seeing Vampire in Brooklyn. I had it once. I don't think it kept me from seeing... Well, I don't remember what it kept me... I'm sure it kept me from seeing something, but I don't remember what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
don't know. It's so inconvenient. Uh, we should do a show on all the movies that Mono kept us from. Our Mono misses coming in 2022. <laughs> yeah, that the whole year is it, this year's fuck it. Then next year is Mono. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw the new Mortal Kombat, which it's not as good as the 1995 version, oh, but better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, I, I saw it twice. I didn't like it at all the first time I saw it, but I'm kind of softening on it a bit. I like it a little bit more than I did um, on the repeat viewing than I did the first time because it reminded me a little bit of like Masters of the Universe. It's kind of got canon 87 level production values at times. Okay. Um, and I, I have a secret shame to admit related to Mortal Kombat. So even more so than caring about the new Mortal Kombat, I cared what this YouTube guy named Total MK thought of Mortal Kombat. Like that was the <laughs> thing I was waiting for because back in 2008, um, I, he posted a rant about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But then... And it was really funny, and it was like about three hours long, and it ran out of steam after about the first hour. But for the first hour, he had like some great points, and it was really funny, and it was sad because he was like talking about how excited he was, and he got like the Indiana Jones popcorn bucket, and he's like, and he he's Australian, so it sounds funnier even with sure. the accent where he's like, now he's like now I don't even want it, <laughs> I don't even want this popcorn. Bucket. I don't That's even the- want this bucket. <laughs> Yeah. But his whole channel is Take about Mortal this Kombat. popcorn. <laughs> See, I can't do the accent. I'm glad that you No, either can I. Are you kidding? Yeah. Um, but yeah, his, so his name is TMK for short. Total Mortal Kombat is his channel. And I was like, oh my God, I need to start watching his channel again because I need to see what he thought of the movie. And then he just is like, Saw the new Mortal Kombat movie. It was all right. <laughs> and like, he's like 50 years old now. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> he's just like, I was a little worried that the uh, Mortal Kombat guy had a Mortal Kombat tattoo. And that's how he was the chosen one. But it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that you could be so noncommittal when your name is Total Mortal Kombat. That was the thing. Like, I cared more that he thought it was fine right. than... For me, so yeah, but uh, yeah, good times. And then um, I saw Together Together right. in the theater, and I was the only person there. A movie I didn't and know existed until you told me you saw it. The only reason I knew it existed was because I uh, I subscribe to movie clips trailers on YouTube, and I see like what new trailers come out. And I was like, all right, fine. This is coming out this week. I'll see what this movie's about. And it's basically like Ed Helms is a man in his 40s, his mid-40s, and he wants a father, but he does not have a partner. So he uh, gets a surrogate played by Patty Harrison, who I've never seen before in anything, but apparently she's like a comedian and a lot of TV stuff. Um, and she's the surrogate, and then they form like a platonic relationship and they become friends and i guess the best way i could describe it is that it's like the most polite movie of 2020 <laughs> okay like that, it's not funny it's very amiable it's like 
it was 50% all right. better than it should be. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I saw it together like, together. It was all right. <laughs> uh, it was no Sonya Blade, but <laughs> I had popcorn. It was all in right. my Indiana Jones bucket. It was all right. I've since, in the ensuing 13 years, I've since washed it. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Every kernel tastes like disappointment and Ray Winstone. <laughs> All right. This one is Kate Blanchett. <laughs> um, yeah, so together, together. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, yeah. And then I watched Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, the new Amazon Prime uh, Jack Ryan series entry. Yeah. With Michael B. So you were you were between yeah. the other night you were between going to see Scott Pilgrim and watching Without Remorse. Yeah, and you helped me with that because you <laughs> by said telling Scott, you to see Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And what ended up happening was I do this with Twitter sometimes. I'll send out a poll, and even if the thing wins the poll, if it doesn't feel right, I'm like, all right, well then I know my answer. Got it. Like I didn't want that. Got it. To win. So that's so when you pick Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, that's not what I wanted. So, but <laughs> I didn't know that. It's okay. So I stayed home and I watched that, and it's better than the reviews were saying. At least I thought, and um, it's like a really straightforward action movie, especially for like a Tom Clancy movie. There's no like, there's you're you're gonna be. It's easy to keep up with it, which was sort of refreshing after watching like you know. Just a bunch of like intricately plotted movies that over the weekend, um, and it reminded me a lot more of like a Bourne legacy Jason Bourne type of movie than the Sum of All Fears or Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. But I think Michael B. Jordan is like a solid action hero. Like I would love to see him do more, just kind of straightforward action parts. And I don't get people like propping up the Netflix action movies. And then like, this is so much to me, this is like so much better than those were. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought that I would. All right. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then the two I wanted to talk to you about was I finally watched the replacement killers. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, it's only been like two Which... weeks, I think since we talked about it. <laughs> Right. Well, I don't know. You talked it up a bit. <laughs> you got to check it out, mate. It's got Mira Sorvino. I rented it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Death on a stick out there. Uh, it was originally a Prime exclusive, <laughs> but then I had to pay the rental. It's all right. It's only three ninety nine. In Australia, it was only two ninety nine. Nice. Uh, I saved you... myself an extra back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, so I thought it was like a cool, like hybrid of late nineties, like ac Hollywood action and like John Woo stuff. And I've hardly seen any Chow Yun Fat movies. Like I'm horrible. I haven't seen like a Better Tomorrow or The Killer or Hard Boiled. So like I've only seen what this about Bulletproof Monk? 
Bulletproof Monk? <laughs> I don't know what my voice is now. No, I have not seen Bulletproof. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Sean William Scott. That's my Indiana Jones. Boy, he's stiff like he is. <laughs> I'm turning into like a weird Cockney thing with the he is. I don't know. We need to stop, I guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but I, I like Vera Sorvino, so like that went a long way. And um, I thought that I, there's a scene towards the end of the movie where there's like a shootout in a movie theater and it's for like a cartoon festival because no movie can just have a normal movie playing. Right. It has to be like horror festival, cartoon festival. But um, they're watching like a Mr. Magoo cartoon. It's like Michael Rooker and his son. And then they just it's like a giant shootout. And for some reason, it crossed my mind that like, oh, no, they ruined Mr. Magoo for this kid. <laughs> like <laughs> they he'll ruined, never be able they to ruined Magoo it. for Rooker. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, OK, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen won anymore. I can't really attempt to do a Rooker because I feel like it would just sound like Kelly Joe Minter. <laughs> you should try. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. But one thing I will say is that, you know, we were talking about Antoine Fuqua movies the yeah. other day. And I think he's a good director just for the sheer fact that I'm pretty sure, like, hundreds of people could have died making this movie, but then no <laughs> one did. So he should be like nominated for best director just for that I'm pretty sure he won that year i think he did yeah 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 it's it was uh it's top tier fuqua yeah yeah it's like fucking a <laughs> <laughs> that's your new column yeah going through his filmography one yeah one fuk at a time <laughs> fucking a <laughs> Um, oh dear all weekend and boy are my eyes tired (laughs) um and then the last one is i watched the this my spotlight showcase pick oh good uh, good good yes which all right first off paul walker and jessica elba are so golden and beautiful that they should be the oscar statues I would agree with like, that. They're just the two prettiest people ever photographed. It's insane, yeah. like how good looking both of them are in this movie. Yeah. Um, and you had pre- kind of, you know, kind of prepped me for like how crazy this movie went. Yeah. Um, by the end of the movie, when one of the villains gets like incinerated by an underwater explosion and you can see their skeleton basically while it's <laughs> happening, I was just like, how is this movie not rated R? But I'm glad. <laughs> and there's like people getting eaten by sharks. That's, I remember the um, sharks and I remember people getting like harpooned, but I don't even remember yeah. the underwater explosion. Um, Scott Kahn gets like harpooned right in the stomach, but then somehow survives, Boo. which I didn't wasn't picking up on but one thing i did notice when i was watching into the blue is may he rest in peace paul walker is one of the most watchable things you can ever put in a movie when he's excited yeah like nobody plays excited better than paul walker (laughs) yeah have you seen that they're doing like those weekly uh showcase fast and furious movies at some theaters like friday nights they're free yeah, I saw that. I was thinking of going to like the ones that I haven't seen in a theater, but 
Are there um, any that you haven't seen in the theater? Oh, yeah, there's two that I never saw in the theater. I never saw Tokyo Drift, and I never saw four in the theater. I didn't see two, three, or four in the theater. Okay. So, but I don't know. I like once you start going to rep, you never go back. And I'm just <laughs> like, I just want to watch some new stuff. Understandable. Like I want to watch. Like, like I want to. I could easily go see Too Fast, Too Furious, but I want to see the new Statham, and I'd rather go see that. Sure, the new Guy Ritchie. Because you were all about Aladdin. I love that shit. <laughs> You've never had Nobody a friend called... like me. <laughs> you ain't never had one. <laughs> I'm changing the name of my channel to TMA, Total Mortal Aladdin. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So did you Not like Into the Blue? To cover. <laughs> I'm waiting for another another IP flex to pop up. <laughs> Did you like Into so in the, the Blue? Meantime, <laughs> sorry, one more. No. So in the meantime, <laughs> I'm just going to pound these Coronas and listen to a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, I really liked Into the Blue. I liked Replacement Killers a little bit more, but okay. Into the Blue was, was rock solid. Yeah, It's like... A-level Mandalay pictures. It's It's good Stockwell. My God. Stockwell's living his best life. He really is. No previous incarnations of John Stockwell were self-actualizing as hard as this John Stockwell. (laughs) He's still working, too, but he makes mostly, like, direct-to-video stuff. Yeah. He's just like, fuck, why are these people wearing shirts? And they're like, this is an office. Yeah. <laughs> Even his direct-to-video stuff uh, is thankfully all set at on the beach, you know. Nice. Yeah. And he hasn't made a movie since 2017. What was his last movie? Armed Response with Wesley Snipes and Anne Heche. Are they in bikinis and shirtless? I never saw it, so I assume okay. so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I got. All right. Uh, what do I got? Let's see. Um, I got, uh, oh, I saw the new, or the not the new anymore, the 2020 remake, sequel, whatever you want to call it, of The Grudge. Oh, I saw that in theaters. You did, and you were not a fan, correct? No, I thought that the 2004 one was kind of creepy and depressing in like an effective way, but this one, yeah, it was just kind of, uh, yeah, it seemed like a director who wasn't in control of his movie, and then it just stops. That's what I remember. It does kind of stop. Like the end was weird. Yeah. And just kind of jarring. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was all right, you know. Like I didn't, oh. I didn't love it, but uh, I think I was expecting the worst because it came up. I did a Corpse Club episode with Heather last week, and we were doing our favorite indies of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. She picked Eyes of My Mother from Nicholas Pesh, and so we were talking about Nicholas Pesh movies. And I haven't yet loved one of his movies, but I had only seen Eyes of My Mother and the other one that uses all the giallo music that now I can't think of the name of because it's been a whole like four days and hold on. I'm looking it up. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's got 
Mia Wasikowska and Piercing. It's called Christopher Abbott. Um, um, your favorite. Uh, I got <laughs> um, and I didn't love either of those movies. But Heather brought up The Grudge, and I realized I had never seen it, so I wanted to check it out, and I thought it was okay. But then I remembered that it had, like, an F cinema score, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I heard something about cinema score that I thought was pretty interesting once, which is that the grade is basically a reaction to what audiences expected to get from that movie. So it's like that's kind of how to look at it. So like if you went to a, if you went to the grudge and you expected like a teenager, like jump scare horror movie, like you, like that's not what the grudge was. No, it's not. I, and I'm not the world's biggest fan of the 2004 one. I think it's okay. It's got Pullman. Pullman. Yeah. That's the best thing about it. It's got some Pullman. Um, this one had, all right. (laughs) Bill Pullman's all right. Um, this one had yeah, a good cast, I thought. It was like, yeah. it was fine. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't crazy about it, but I certainly didn't hate it. And I guess I was expecting to based on the what I remembered the reaction to be at the time. Is my memory right that there's some gnarly William Sadler makeup in one scene? There is. It's yeah. a real, it's a real, it's a real uh, Mason Verger situation. Yeah. And then um, it's sort of almost structured like anthology because there's like a lot of like separate stories, but it's not like officially an anthology. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, that's correct. Which I feel like is kind of like how the 2004 one is structured, isn't it? Yeah, 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 you're right. Like you get a little bit of Pullman and then you don't get it more Pullman until the end. This is true. Because I just rewatched yeah. it maybe last year, and I was like, "Wait, is that all the Pullman we're gonna get?" And it's not. There's more Pullman. Yeah, but I do like that the grudge manifests because the woman is so sad that she can't be with Bill Pullman, basically. Yeah, that's and that's I would say one of the faults of this new one is that it doesn't really explain or explore the curse or the mythology at all. You don't even. I mean, you eventually get a sense of like who's haunting the house and why but you don't really go too deep into it their story isn't really told um so it really depends on you knowing what the grudge is and having seen the other movies to understand what's going on i think Mm -hmm. yeah anyway um uh we watched a documentary on hulu called we work or the making and breaking of a forty-seven billion dollar unicorn, which is about hmm. this company called WeWork that I had never even heard of, but apparently still exists. It's basically like an office space rental. They they build themselves as a tech company, but they're basically renting out office spaces and having like tech startups collaborate in the same offices and. It's fascinating. I mean, it's structured like so many of these documentaries where you know the rug is eventually going to be pulled out and you're going to discover that it all comes down. I mean, it's there in the title where it's the making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. So I was watching it just wondering, like, what is it going to be that kind of fire festivals these guys? Um, Mm -hmm. And I won't say it's not necessarily one thing and I won't spoil, you know, what it ends up being. But I thought it was super interesting. Then there's also a new HBO series called, oh, shoot. 
Wall Street? No. <laughs> Money never sleeps, bro. Um, <laughs> American. It's on HBO Max. Uh, I, I keep wanting to call it American Hustle, but that's the David O. Russell movie. <laughs> Um, American Hustlers, something like that. It's like a, an eight-part or ten-part documentary series, and it's all about like con artists and scammers. And uh, there's a whole episode. If you don't have patience for the Hulu documentary, or you don't have Hulu, there's a one-hour episode devoted to the exact same subject of WeWork. So you could watch it in in an, an hour-long form as opposed to a hour and forty-minute documentary. But both, I think, are worth your time. Nice. Um, yeah, I like those business documentaries. I um, I was looking at the list of like 2001 movies to do a 20 years column on, or just watch or rewatch. Yeah, and I saw Startup.com. Did you ever see that one? I never did, and it's like hard to come it by was, now. I think I have a copy that I bought at like half price books. So if you want to borrow it, you can. But okay. I remember it being um, pretty interesting. Just kind of like these guys kind of go in as friends and then it becomes like a, a Facebook situation where like they kind of start infighting and then like hubris takes over and then their great dot com idea isn't like such a great idea anymore. So, all right, I'm into it. Stuff. Yeah. Um, watched a 2011 science Sono movie called guilty of romance. Um, that is like two and a half hours long, but totally worth seeing. If it's part of uh, what's referred to as the Hate Trilogy, which also includes uh, Coldfish and Love Exposure. I've seen Coldfish, but it was years ago. I've not yet seen Love Exposure, but we did get a copy, but it's like four hours long, so we really have to set aside some time to watch it. But uh, I would recommend Guilty of Romance. I don't even want to say it, it's about a. A Japanese housewife, basically, who becomes a little bit bored and starts out modeling and ends up in prostitution, basically. But there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and then the only other thing I'll talk about, I guess, is because you and I were texting about it just a little bit, is I, it turns out I was re-watching Eli Roth's 2018 remake of Death Wish, I didn't mm -hmm. realize I was rewatching it until I went to enter it into Letterboxd and it said I had seen it before. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess it didn't make much of an impression on me the first time around because I remembered yeah. none of it. I remembered Elizabeth yeah. Shue dying, but that was in the trailer. So I was like, well, I, I know that that's happening because that's how it was marketed. But it turns out I'd seen the movie before. Um, I'll sit on rewatch. Well, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's uh, all right. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Like, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, again, because I think it was pretty much savaged and kind of written off, and even Eli Roth doesn't really talk about it. Um, not as good as I think it could have been. I think it could have felt more like his movie... And it doesn't quite. It feels a little bit generic. It's like him trying to do an anonymous studio movie. And I, I guess I wish it was a little more personal. I wish it was a little grittier, maybe. It's kind of slick, which is obviously what he was going yeah. for. Um, and I couldn't help but feel the whole time I was watching it that it would be a way better movie if Bruce Willis and Vincent D'Onofrio switched roles. 
that if Vincent D'Onofrio was in the lead, it would be a much more interesting film. And Bruce Willis doesn't I... need to play the brother, but he can stick around and play the brother if he wants to cash a paycheck. I yeah, I I'm much more like you. I think are are hinting at like I'm much more interested in D'Onofrio as Paul Kersey. Is that his name? Yeah. Or is that just Doctor okay. Paul yeah, Kersey? Um, Doctor Paul Kersey. Excuse me, <laughs> fiction. Um, yeah, but I re- yeah maybe we I don't know. This is kind of a spoiler for Death Proof. Oh, so that's all right. Cover your ears for twenty seconds yeah. if you don't want to hear. A, Spoiler for a movie that came out like five years ago or yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, I remember like everything was set up to lead you to believe that D'Onofrio was the bad guy, 100%. like the secret bad guy. 100%. And then that's not what happens. And it feels like such a like a limp noodle of a development. Yeah. Like when you when you. Yeah. So but how I forgot how was um compared to maybe. His direct-to-video efforts. How was Bruce Willis like? Somewhat more engaged in this. He's all right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably medium, like somewhat yeah. engaged, still not really creating a character, you know. Uh, but but not just there to collect a check. Um, and certainly handles the action capably. It's just it's weird casting because when you've seen Bruce Willis is known for being an action star. So when he mm-hmm. becomes this machine gun toting vigilante, it's like, well, that's how we're used to seeing Bruce Willis. That would have made yeah. more sense in 1987 when he was on moonlighting. Now it doesn't make much sense. That's why I feel like casting Vincent D'Onofrio would make more sense. Cause we, we don't usually see him in that mode. Um, casting a non action star probably would have made more sense, but I understand from like a box office point of view, you want somebody like Bruce Willis in your remake of Death Wish. You know, that's especially how you're going to get foreign sales and foreign audiences to come see your movie. Um, it just seemed like kind of obvious. It's like when Nicholson goes crazy in The Shining. It's like, yeah, no, we know. We're, we we expected that to happen. Yeah. When you mentioned the thing about wanting it to be grittier, I, I was kind of agreeing with you, but now I'm thinking about it more and, the grittier version was Death Sentence, and that one was too oh, gritty yes. for me. <laughs> that movie has like, grit to spare. Thir- yeah, that movie's like thoroughly unpleasant, even by <laughs> like just because it's a you don't expect it from like this mainstream, like Universal or Focus or whoever came out with it. It's just like, oh no, this is like straight up grindhouse, like yeah. level mean. Erica and I so. went to see that with her mom. And her mom is oh. not into those kinds of movies, but she was like, oh, you know, she probably remembered the original Death Wish and she liked Kevin Bacon and she was not a fan of that movie because it is just unrelentingly dark. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I was too, so. Better movie so than maybe... the 2018 Death Wish, though, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just for, like, that parking garage chase Holy shit, alone. that sequence is so good. Yeah. Good stuff. Speaking, Speaking of, of so good, <laughs> so good, Jinx. <laughs> How many miles is it to Graceland? Uh, many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's about three thousand. <laughs> um, about three k. That's the number of subscribers <laughs> I've got on my YouTube's. 
Total MK. Total yeah. 3K MTG. <laughs> Directed by Autor Demian Lichtenstein. I'm Demian Lichtenstein. Have you seen oh. his IMDb page? Hello there. I'm Demian Lichtenstein. Uh, no, uh, I have not. Okay, I'm, I want you to take a. I want everybody, including you, everybody listening to this, take a beat, go to IMDb, and look at this guy's main photo, and it makes total sense <laughs> <laughs> with how the movie turned out. <laughs> uh, now he does have other movies because I was really thinking this was it for him, but he does have. Yeah, he, yeah. It sounds like he was much more a. Uh, Music video director. Yeah, well, you can kind of tell yeah. watching this movie. Um, yeah. I'm Damien Lichtenstein. Um, where to begin? I really wanted to I directed to see... the debut of Arnold Braunschweiger. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I really wanted to see uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland when it was coming out uh because i liked the trailers i love kurt russell i like elvis i like action movies i like kevin costner it the cast is insanely stacked for this movie right i mean you watch the yeah. credits oh, yeah. and it's like how did they get all these people to be in this movie most of them in very small roles including the fact like you cannot put ice tea in your opening credits and then wait till the last 15 minutes to introduce him yeah, this is such a Patrick movie. I felt like you kind of like backed into this pick because you just wanted to talk about another Ice T Kevin Pollock <laughs> right? Ricochet. Re Yo, yeah, it's three thousand miles to Graceland. What did they ask him if he wants to like eat like a like a freezy pop or something like that, or like remember. a go? -gurt? I just remember his name is something like Roosevelt. No, yeah. it's Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's Hamilton. Yeah, and I thought right. he should be rapping as he hangs upside down and shoots people with a machine gun. That might be one of the coolest things in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this has a Ricochet reunion with Ice-T and Kevin Pollock. Yeah. It's got a Prince of mm -hmm. Thieves reunion with Costner yeah. and uh, Christian Slater. Yeah. I feel like there's another reunion in here somewhere, too. I'm sure there's more. I can't I don't really remember. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church and Bakeem Woodbine, is it? Um, is Courtney it? Cox and David Arquette. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll call that a reunion. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I was so excited to see this movie. And we, Erica and I were dating. And we were with Doug. And Doug was going on like a first date with a friend of Erica's. And we took her, she's not a movie person really. And we, the four of us went to see 3000 miles to Graceland and it was such a mistake. And we knew it was such a mistake in the first 30 seconds when the movie opens with a CGI scorpion <laughs> battle, we just yeah. uh, practically turned to each other and we're like, Oh fuck, this is not going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie yeah. does not improve. I wrote uh, a note. This is verbatim what it says. The opening scene immediately sets you ill at ease, dot, dot, dot. Like, is the rest of the movie going to be just like this? 
the CGI scorpions are you talking about? Yeah, it basically is. But it's so funny because, yeah. like, the scorpion then plays a role in the movie later on. Like, oh, that shit was foreshadowing? I had no idea that when uh, Kevin yeah. Costner gets stung by a scorpion late in the film, that that's a callback to the weird CG opening credits. Thanks but a like, lot, Damien Lichtenstein. But it's like a CG yeah. scorpion, like yeah. the same type from the opening credits. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, no, I thought it was just some kind of like artistic flourish for the opening credits. But no, that's just they they were apparently <laughs> deathly afraid of real scorpions. <laughs> we cannot hire get, like, the scorpion people. wrangler. So we will make it out of the CG. <laughs> Listen to me. Uh, I'm Damien Lichtenstein. It's like, Damien, we love what you did with 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Have you, you considered you. directing the Scorpion King? He's like, I am far too afraid of them. <laughs> By the way, yes, you should see the Scorpion King. Okay. Oh, thank you. No problem. Good callback. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, the Scorpion um, King is a way better movie than The Mummy Returns. It's Chuck Russell. Yeah. Yeah, but he did. I, yeah, so who knows? Well, it's not that Chuck Russell. It's the good Chuck Russell. It's more like a racer Chuck Russell, which is like okay, medium Chuck Russell. Yeah, good Chuck Russell it's is not. Love. It's not Fukin A. It's it no, <laughs> no. Uh, so, no. So it's Ru- it's Russell B. Unlike Three Thousand Miles <laughs> to Graceland, which might be Kurt Russell D. <laughs> oh, is this Kurt Russell's worst movie? Offhand, I can't think of a worse one, but this needs to be put to the test. So we will get back to that. But I want to ask you a question similar to that, because I think we we could have a good conversation about it. If you had to pick a winner and a loser of this movie, who wins the movie between Kurt Russell and Kevin Costner and who loses the movie? I feel like our answers might be different based on where our allegiances lie. Mm -hmm. I think Kurt Russell for me wins the movie because he still manages to be likable and charming. But I also think he stacked the deck in his favor because this movie famously has two completely different cuts because Demian Lichtenstein was basically kicked out of the editing room. Costner got to do his cut. Kurt Russell got to do his cut. They went with the Kurt Russell cut. And I'm sure. Oh, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sure Kurt Russell comes off better in the Kurt Russell cut, and Costner comes off better in the Costner cut. Costner's cut was much more action focused and darker. Kurt Russell's cut was a lot more uh, comedic, and I think built up the the Courtney Cox and the kid storyline a little bit more. I have to say, okay. having seen the version that was released, I'm much more interested in the Kevin Costner cut because the stuff I like in the movie is the action stuff, is the darker stuff, is the more violent stuff. A lot of the stuff I can't stand is what I think is emphasized in the Kurt Russell cut. But to get back to your question, I think Kurt Russell, for me, wins the movie. Where are you at? I think that Kurt Russell wins the movie. However, every scene that he's in with Courtney Cox and the kid is nails on a chalkboard for me. So he survives the movie maybe by sheer will. 
But because um, he's charming and likable and he's like a good kind of anti-hero. Um, Costner is giving a John Travolta performance in this. And I mean that in like it's the John Travolta performances that I have to almost like avert my eyes. <laughs> like I love both actors, but this is like there were certain par- parts of this movie where I was just like. I don't know if Kevin Costner is my favorite actor anymore. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> this movie ruined him for you. Just for like certain scenes, but then he'd get me back on board. I think that he he's interesting when he plays a bad guy. Like this is sort of a mixture between his like, I guess, like a Mr. Brooks and like his and the Mariner from Waterworld. Because <laughs> he's like. <laughs> Hitting kids again. <laughs> Two famously beloved movies. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just like he's doing something and he seems to be having fun and he likes to like kind of go dark. But I don't know. Like the, tonally, this movie is just like all over the place. And um, the Costner stuff, I think, is just more embarrassing, whereas the Russell scenes are more embarrassing, but he's not embarrassing in them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I mean, uh, it's embarrassing almost from the outset because Kevin Costner just looks so ridiculous in the Elvis gear. Kurt Russell sells it effortlessly. Kevin Costner looks out of place and ridiculous. And I was watching it feeling like, oh, is Kevin Costner like, is this not working because he's playing against his usual sort of affable charm? Uh, but that, that can't be it because as you pointed out, he's played villains before, uh, and in something like a perfect world, he's amazing as a villain. Like we know that he's very capable of playing a really good, really interesting, really complex villain. And in this, he's neither colorful nor threatening. Really? It's just, it's like playing a villain almost in air quotes where he's going through the motions of being this dark brooding bad guy um, who then kind of loosens up as the movie goes on. But it, it makes no sense from scene to scene that the writing is so bad that it's, it becomes so tedious. Like we're just bouncing back and forth. Who's got the money. You've got the money. Now he's got the money. Now she's got the money. Now I've got the money. Who's got the kid. You've got the kid. He's got the kid. Now she's got the kid. Okay. And we're just bouncing back and forth between different combinations of who has what and who has who. And it is just so fucking tedious. Yeah, and it's like, how many times is the kid going to steal the wallet and hide it in the ceiling? I automatically, like, hate precocious kids in movies. And I think you just touched on that in your your Mummy Returns piece, right? Where you said, like, oh, that kid is the worst. And he is. That was right away when I went to see the Mummy Returns. I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this movie. It has a precocious kid. Can I take a time out on that for a second? Because Absolutely. I read one of the funniest bits of IMDb trivia when I was prepping for that Mummy Returns okay. column. Because apparently the that kid had a choice between being in the Mummy Returns or being in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Whoops! And he chose the yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he chose the Mummy Returns because the Mummy was his favorite movie. And apparently, on set of Mummy Returns, he was basically like the continuity and lore experts that like people were going to and asking him 
<laughs> if it made sense with the with the shared you or with the with the series if like their decisions like were you know organic to the original and things like that i just picture him being like this quality control on the set of the <laughs> returns and then at the end of the day steven stummers is just like i should have hired an adult <laughs> sorry guys arnold Vosloo would never do that it's like, point of order, good sir. I believe John Hanna would be standing stage left. <laughs> Is it Patricia Velasquez? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A knock through the moon. I lost the thread. Forget it. I lost it. I just want to say, A knock through the moon. <laughs> Maybe he thought he would grow up to be the new Rick O'Connell. Like... He would age into the franchise, and it's like, kid, they're they're recasting Rachel Weisz at this point. <laughs> like, they're not going to keep you around. Can I say something that is debatably un <laughs> debatably unkind, Mister Summers? Yeah, sure, go ahead. If kid. your entire film is a climax, then nothing is a climax. <laughs> <sighs> I should have hired an so, adult. I should have hired an adult for this. <laughs> oh man. I'm um, not sure the Scorpion King works as the main villain. Perhaps we could spin him off into his own franchise in which he's the hero. Audiences want to see The Rock play a baby face. <laughs> You set him up so elegantly <laughs> in the beginning of the film, and then you don't bring him back until well into the third act. Everybody's just sitting around saying, where's the rock? It was like waiting for iced tea in 3,000 miles to Graceland. I'm not so sure Kevin Costner knew how to vamp during the music video. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and also, what's with the fucking... The, the outtake at the very end where he's like, you are yeah, going, you're going back, back to the future, back to the future. And then Kurt Russell laughs just like out of politeness, because what is yeah. Kurt Russell's not in back to the future. It's not a joke about him or his career. Oh, I it was like a dad trying Kevin to Costner thinks Kurt Russell's in back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> but that music video, like if you didn't hate this movie before, like that that movie's like having your dick slammed in a desk. <laughs> like like somebody opens up like one of those open up desks, and then you put your dick in it and then they just drop it. That like was that's such what a, that's that was like. such a post something about Mary trend to have the whole yeah. cast do a sing along to a song over the credits. And again, it's fun to watch Kurt Russell do Elvis. Um Yeah. But yeah, the rest of it and and then there's just outtakes of Courtney Cox like getting ready for a date or something. It's very strange. The camera continues to ogle her the way it ogles every woman in this movie. I don't know what you're talking about. I felt like this movie treats the women very well. <laughs> yeah. As they're literally uh -huh. passing them back and forth between cars, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that girl's never been to Reno, to be fair. So. I have a slight nagging suspicion that Damien Lichtenstein might be a misogynist. I've been studying his whole career and this tracks. 
I believe that girl at a gas station scene. Every woman will be sitting around saying, this scene was clearly written by a man. This is some midlife crisis shit on the level of Larry Bishop's Hell Ride. <laughs> we've been around for 10 years. I don't think we've made a Hell Ride reference. <laughs> I almost, I wanted to like fatality myself watching Hell Ride. <laughs> I was like kind of excited for Hellride because it was that post Grindhouse thing where it was like, oh, they're making exploitation movies now, and then it's Hellride. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, so three thousand miles to Graceland uh, is not. Oh, uh, Christian Slater and uh, and uh, Howie Long reunion. That was the other reunion. Broken Arrow. That's right. That's right. Which, by the way, like, I don't know, maybe have David Arquette be the one who's arguing about money and keep Christian Slater around for a little while. Find a way to keep Christian Slater in this movie. Yes. He's awesome. And they just kill him off, like, indiscriminately. Which, all right, I got a question for you. Would this movie be better if they cut out all the road bullshit in the second and third act. Ugh, that's the whole movie. But everything led up to the casino. Like if that was the third act of the movie and everything was leading up to the Elvises in a casino, I think the movie could be a lot better. Yes. I would much rather watch a movie about this group of Elvises um, trying to pull off a heist together. Yeah. Cause uh, I don't know. And also like between the desert and, like, the editing choices and stuff, this movie's just, like, it made my head hurt a lot. It's a shockingly poorly edited movie. Um, yeah. It's really badly put together. I don't like most of the photography choices. Again, it's it's overcompensating. I won't call it music video flourishes, but that's sort of what it is. It's that, that Lichtenstein touch, um, what, what Outlaw Vern refers to as avid farts, Shaking the camera, <laughs> quick zooms, um, yeah. changing the speed. It's not so much like slow motion as this sort of post-production slow motion skip frame kind of a thing. All these different aesthetic choices that I don't like. Yeah, the movie looks and feels like kind of garbage. And it is a little bit headache-inducing, yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's like a jackhammer to your face. I have a crossover pitch for Kevin Costner's character in this movie. Okay. I think he could totally be one of the devil's rejects. Okay. And like on, on the break level and he shows up in like four from hell and he's Elvis Firefly. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Cause he's just, he, cause he just seems to be that type where his goal in life is just to destroy and kill as many things as possible. I don't really know what his goal is. Cause sometimes it seems like he just wants money and then other times. Yeah. And they all, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. And, and also like they say at one point that he was like a Vietnam vet and like a medic and like, they only like really bring that back with like him trying to save Bokeem Woodbine, but then everybody else he like wants to kill. And why would we not believe that he? Well, was he always going to go through with the plan? Like, 
If Christian Slater didn't know. mouth off, was he not going to kill those guys or was he always going to kill them? I can't tell. So why try to save Bokeem Woodbine the- if his plan is to just kill him and take his money anyway? I guess I guess not. I guess he wasn't originally going to try to kill them all. He just wanted to go all take them all to Idaho before they split up. But I don't know. I also think that um, it's unsettling that Courtney Cox's character's last name is Wayne Grow. <laughs> so either Demian Lichtenstein, <laughs> so either Demian Lichtenstein is a big Heat fan, or this is some shared universe where <laughs> she's the sister or something to the scariest person on planet Earth. <laughs> Can we get the Kevin Gage? No, no, Kevin Gage is busy. Then we get the Courtney Cox Arquette. Yes, Damien Lichtenstein, we can get... Oh, goody. Damn it, kid from The Mummy Returns. We need you not to be trying to be Rick O'Connell. He's like, I had to get it on, man. I had to. <laughs> making a move, and I had to get it on. <laughs> Wait till you see me in Rise of Cobra. I'm going to play Serpentor. Odd Thomas, what happened there? <laughs> it really doesn't even feel like a Stephen Summers joint. Uh, I guess when you're working off of a story from Dean Coots, you got nowhere to go but down. I've always considered him a JV Stephen King at any rate. Except for Hideaway, that movie rocked. <laughs> Wow, Mummy Kid, you have such strong opinions. That movie is expressly my shit. (laughs) I want that movie to murder me. Wow, you are really, you really are are into Hideaway, huh? Yeah, step on my throat, Hideaway. Don't judge me too hard, but I would like to open up my own video store and just fill it with copies of Hideaway, and then I want to make the roof collapse and all the copies of Hideaway collapse on me like Carrie White and then burn in hell. But don't judge me. I just really like Hideaway. I want to be a part of it. Mummy Kid, you know, your fantasy could certainly involve, you know, running a video store in heaven where you only rent out copies of Hideaway to all the people in in heaven. I don't understand why your dream is to go to hell. Oh, I'm going straight to the H-E double hockey sticks. (laughs) I'm a bad kid. (laughs) You look up sin in the Bible, they got a picture of me. (laughs) And a copy of Hideaway. Um, (laughs) Mummy kid. Oh, shit. Do you... uh... Do you want to hear about some songs on the soundtrack of 3,000 Miles to Graceland? Is <laughs> it it's pretty great. fucking Follow Me that plays over the end credits? Because I hate that song. Oh, everybody does. You're in good Is company Is that Uncle there. Cracker? Who sings that song? It, it's Uncle Cracker. Uncle Cracker has two songs on the soundtrack. There's two Cracker uh, joints? What's the other one? Because most of it is like kind of new metal or like fake dubstep. 
Um, it's Who's Your Uncle by Uncle Cracker. Who's your uncle? That's right. It's me, Mummy Kid. <laughs> I'm your it uncle now. <laughs> um, this soundtrack also features um, It's Gonna Kill Me by Filter, Vapor Trail by The Crystal Method, Come In Hard by Hard Knocks, Loaded Gun by Hedonized, Angel Dust by Bender, <laughs> Far Away by Government Mule, Low by Transmission OK, and my favorite, New Disease by Spine Shank. <gasps> Spine Shank returns! Spine Shank was all over the, the, the soundtracks, the OSTs, if you will, yeah. in uh, the early 2000s. Spine Shank had good representation to get them on all these soundtracks. Yeah, it was Freddy yeah. versus Jason that they were on, right? That was the other one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm glad um, Spinechank is th- still getting getting work. Do you think Kurt Russell or Kevin Costner took the movie away from Demi and Lichtenstein and like directed scenes themselves? I think they both did. Because I think the whole stuff with the casino is like way better than the rest of the movie yeah. and it feels like it's directed by a different person yeah no i i think they both did i i'm guessing this was not a fun movie to make um because no. you had some big personalities and perhaps running roughshod over one damien lichtenstein um mm-hmm. and then yeah basically recutting him in two different forms uh yeah i don't know because i i am CGI scorpions and gratuitous sex scenes aside that are like really uncomfortable because the kid is coming into the room and taking stuff out of Kurt Russell's wallet while he rails his mom. Um, The casino stuff I'm okay with, Uh, you know, again, it makes a lot of weird directorial aesthetic choices that I don't really like, but I'm on board for the movie really up until they split up. And then it becomes yeah. interminable. And yeah, I, I want to like this that. movie. Yeah, I, every... we, we were talking over text like, neither of us loves it, but maybe this will be the one. And boy, it was not the the viewing that turned me around <laughs> on this movie. Yeah. No, yeah. Up until the Christian Slater gets shot, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. But then after that... Yeah. And then there's like all those weird scenes where like Costner is like shooting like cowboy cops for no reason just because they needed like a scene of violence. Right. What is that? And all the stuff with the bubblegum girl, like being done on a green screen where just some random biker pulls up next to him and they pass her off and it's all green screen. It really is a poorly made movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a part in the movie that, well, actually, I think even worse than those two scenes is the wombat scene. We got to talk about the wombat. Absolutely. Yeah. So (laughs) Kevin Costner hitchhikes and he gets picked up by this old man who is a diehard wombats fan who I take it as like a college team. And um, he there's a, a police checkpoint and Kevin Costner decides to murder the old man, steal his clothes, and pretend to be a Wombats fan. But he also has time to put on the face paint, which I don't understand. I noticed um, that as well. Because he's got like 30 seconds. Right. Yeah, he's got like 30 seconds. But then he turns into like this idiot super sports fan 
and he has like a chant that he makes up called that I wrote it down. It's oh, pork thank chop, you for pork doing chop, this. Greasy, greasy. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so it's pork chop, pork chop, greasy, greasy. We beat your team, fucking easy, easy. <laughs> yeah, which had to be made up on the spot. Like Costner's just like, oh, I got it, and it's like really funny. Just roll, trust me. I feel like that was a lot of this movie. Like, yeah, trust me, just roll. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, it's a weird it's scene. The mummy returns. You need a check. <laughs> you need some checks and balances. <laughs> when ego runs amok, we end up with a debacle, the likes of which we've seen in Van Helsing, which you, Stephen Summers, will direct. I mean, did the mummy returns gross? A lot of money, yes. But everyone learned their lesson after that. <laughs> Did you see the growth is dipped from Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? <laughs> That's why you cut bait and run. <laughs> now, of course, that was a Rob Marshall movie. Not Rob Marshall, sorry, Rob Cohen movie. I confused the two. <laughs> I'm so sure. <laughs> Especially when it's Dude, at directors I look up to literally <laughs> on account of my smallness. <laughs> um, the co-writer of 3,000 Miles to Graceland is a guy by the name of Richard Recco. This is his only feature credit. He also wrote a short in 2008 and uh, he wrote and directed a short in 2008 called Officer Down and a TV documentary in 2017 uh called table talk which sounds mm. like some weird right-wing shit but i don't know for sure if it is it ran for four episodes oh, no. how do movies like this happen with casts like this is it just like kurt russell signs on and then kevin costner's like oh i want to do a movie with kurt russell and then christian slater's like oh i want to be in a movie that stars kurt russell and kevin costner and that's it just snowballs like how else well and for a lot of them it's only like two days of work or three days of work because they're just not in the movie that much everybody has kind of a small part you know um ice t probably got to make this movie during his lunch break on svu like yeah all right, mm -hmm. hurry up, because after this, I'm going to Jimmy John's. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have an Ice-T song on the soundtrack. Like, they missed an opportunity for him to rap about 3,000 miles to Graceland. <laughs> what do you mean you need two songs by Uncle Cracker? <laughs> I can think follow me. You'd much rather follow me anyway. I would, but I, a body count song, you know? You got all this metal on the soundtrack. Put body count on there. Two Uncle Cracker songs? Are you fucking kidding me? Um, yeah. Courtney Cox, I don't understand, because she's a big star by the time this movie comes along, and this role does her yeah. zero favors. Yeah, I don't get it either, unless, like, her and Kurt Russell had this kind of screwball action comedy in their heads. And that's the movie they thought they were making. And it just didn't turn out that way with the rest of the tone of the movie with the Costner stuff. I, yeah, I, I can't explain it really. Uh, or she just wanted to be like, they weren't in any scenes together, but maybe she just wanted to be on set with David Arquette. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, do you think she got him the job? Like, 
sure, I'll do this movie, mm-hmm. but you guys got to hire my husband. Maybe. I mean, he was still like in Ready to Rumble and Scream 3 and stuff around that time. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's still working. Yeah. yeah. He was still working. I There's a part that um, there's a line that Kurt Russell says in like the diner scene that drives me crazy because he says to the kid like that you rob a casino because that's how you catch them off guard and because it's original and that's why you get away with it. And I'm like what <laughs> like robbing a, you know seems like the worst idea ever yeah. he's like yeah he's like if you're not original you know like but if you are original it's a piece of cake and i'm like there's nothing about what you did that seemed like a piece of cake at all no and even the elvis hook like isn't that interesting and is dropped pretty early on um did you read the imdb trivia for this at all uh yeah i did Whoever wrote it was obsessed with the idea that Kurt Russell was in It Happened at the World's Fair because, like, the first five facts are all just, like, a kid kicks Kurt Russell in the shins, just like Kurt Russell kicked Elvis in the shins and It Happened at the World's Fair. When he signs the record in the elevator, it's It Happened at the World's Fair. Kurt Russell appeared in It Happened at the World's Fair. Uh, They're a little obsessed. It was me who filled it out. I happen to like it happened at the World's Fair. I find it one of Elvis's finest hours. My second favorite movie after Hideaway <laughs> and then The Mummy of the Distant Third. <laughs> Does anybody need to hire me for continuity on Hideaway 2? Silverstone's <laughs> Return. Hideaway 2 colon Hydreth Keepers. <laughs> um, hold on. I'm going to the Mummy Returns trivia so I can read you what it okay. says about the, All right. the continuity. I'm excited thing. for this. Um, then we have to determine okay. if this is Kurt Russell's worst movie. And then we're probably done. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot to say about this one. Uh, no. um, yeah, Fred, Freddie Both, who is the, the kid that we're... Me, Freddie Both! <laughs> That we're honoring. Mummy <laughs> Kid. This episode. Yeah, Mummy Kid. Was a big fan of The Mummy, having seen it over 30 times. He passed on the opportunity to play in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone to participate in, in The Mummy Returns because The Mummy is one of his favorite films. He knows so much about the movie that he even served as a sort of consultant of the first film for this film for the whole crew and cast members. He knows every line and detail of the movie. When anyone on the set of The Mummy Returns (laughs) needed to know something about the first movie, they asked him. This was his first professional acting job. Wow. 341 out of 349 people found this interesting, to which I say, who are these eight people? Who are the eight that were like, nope. Oh, that old factoid? Yeah. Let me see what other movies Freddy both was in. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of His IMDb picture is just him giving two thumbs up. (laughs) One's for Hideaway and one's for The Mummy 99. (laughs) Who has two thumbs and loves Hideaway? (laughs) This guy? Um... This was his only movie. He did some TV series and a short. Oh my gosh, he's like this. the Damien Lichtenstein of acting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Is this That's Kurt a... Russell's worst movie? 
I would need to revisit Soldier, which is a movie that a lot of people like. <laughs> Hold on. Before we get to that, okay. he got – Freddie both got The Mummy Returns because he auditioned lip-syncing the John Travolta role in Greece. What the hell was going on on the set of The Mummy Returns? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what was happening? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, this probably is Kurt Russell's worst movie of the ones that I've seen. Because there's some, like, winter people that I haven't seen. Oh, and yeah, I have no, no I've idea. I've seen winter people. Those. But I'm looking through his IMDb, and I've seen almost everything post, like, Elvis. I haven't seen okay. necessarily all of his, like, Disney kid movies and stuff like that. Um, and I haven't seen a couple of his newer movies, like Deepwater Horizon, or what's the one about the art thieves, Art of the Steel. Good. I haven't yeah. seen Art of the... He plays Crunch Calhoun in the Art of the Steel. <laughs> yeah. That's a good name. Um, um, I want to see, I want to see Crypto. I meant to see Crypto because it looked like Paranoia. And I never got around to it. Damn it. No, I never saw Crypto either. Is is 3,000 Miles to Graceland worse than Unlawful Entry? Yeah, I would say so. Because Unlawful Entry, okay. I think, has Ray Liotta doing good Ray Liotta. And it's, yeah. like, competently made. It's just kind of lame, you know? But uh, plus it's got that sweet sound effect when she hits him with the pan and it goes ping. That is true. That's my favorite part in Unlawful I Entry. Think, I think The Fate of the Furious is worse than 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. I haven't I think that it. might be my least favorite movie of his that I've seen. Fate of the Furious? Yeah. I definitely need to rewatch it. I only I saw it opening night and haven't gone back and revisited it. But, uh... wow, okay. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know he was in F9. He's in F9, according to IMDb. Yeah, I didn't know that either. He's not in the trailers or anything, uh -huh. so. Yeah. All yeah. right, anything else about 3,000 Miles to Graceland you want to say? Uh, no. No, <laughs> I think we covered it, and I apologize to everybody for giving them a very odd episode but we yep. had fun <laughs> we did have fun and uh you know we've been doing this for a long time eventually we're going to get around to movies like Three Thousand miles to graceland because <laughs> we've already done back to the future you know it's like you run out of the big ones and then you got to do the crow city of angels and hideaway yeah did someone say hideaway <sighs> did you know that the tagline to hideaway is Hatch Harrison was pronounced dead on arrival. After two hours, the doctors brought him back, but he didn't come back alone. <laughs> That's good coons, if ever I've heard it. <laughs> Read an R for terror violence, for language, and a scene of sexuality, which I certainly close my eyes on. I'm not allowed to see scenes of sexuality, but terror violence is a-okay in mom and dad's book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me see any movies co-starring Jeremy Sisto. <laughs> I'm trying to 
trying to think of just like one Jeremy Stowe movie, and I'm I can come up with May, and that's it. Oh, and Clueless, yeah. I guess. Clueless, a Clueless is a is a hideaway reunion. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. never seen Hideaway. So Hideaway don't, don't next week, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, it's coming up. You know it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank um, you guys. Just, uh, played a character named Vasago in Hideaway. <laughs> Oh, hideaway. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you, Adam, for uh, for watching this movie again and determining where it falls in Kurt Russell's filmography. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. I'm going back to the future, man. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.